Hi, my name is Paul, and my life changed when I experienced loss. It was the day after Thanksgiving, and my wife Sue passed away, and she had gone through a seven-year battle with cancer. We had tried so hard to build this idea of us as we battled through that cancer together. But when she died, there was no more us. There was no more we. I was aware my life had changed, but I didn't know to what. In the weeks that followed her death, I just had so many questions, so many questions I needed to ask God. Why did Sue have to die? Why didn't you step in and do something? Even more so, what, what am I gonna do with my life now? I had put so much into loving Sue, but now with her being gone, that made the loss even more unbearable. My heart felt really broken, and I just didn't know what I was gonna do. Could I trust God with this pain? Could I trust God even though he made no sense to me? In the weeks that followed, God began to answer some of those questions. And I did find out, even though he didn't make sense to me, I could still trust him. I could trust his heart. I found out that he could give me a peace that I couldn't explain. I found out that he wanted to draw me into intimacy with himself. I found out that he would meet me at every emotional intersection I could find myself in. I experienced loss, but I also rediscovered God through all this. Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. We, uh, we're actually continuing and finishing a series that we started several weeks ago now uh, that we've been calling My Life Changed When. And uh, if you've uh, just kind of jumped in in this series, this is your first time here, basically what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about um, those moments and those circumstances in life that God oftentimes uses um, to catalyze life change. And so we've been saying each one of us, we all have a unique story. And when we look back at the story of our life, the truth is that we all have a series of and a variety of life-changed-win moments. And so uh, in this series, what we've been doing then is we've kind of been asking you to look at your own story um, and to identify those moments, those my life change wins circumstances and situations. And then we've been challenging everyone at all of our campuses, um, not only to identify those moments, but to kind of look at how God has worked in the midst of those things and to sort of own that story and even share that story. And so it's been kind of neat to see how some of you have uh, had an opportunity to do that. It's been neat to hear your My Life Changed When stories and how you've kind of documented those as well. And that's kind of been the heartbeat of this series is talking about that. And so each week what we've been doing from the platform is we've been talking about uh, just a bunch of different common scenarios that God oftentimes uses to change our life. And so the past seven weeks as we've been journeying through this series, we looked at seven different topics um, that relate to my life changed when. And I'll just say that if you missed any of those conversations or you missed any of those, uh, those topics previously, I just encourage you to check out our website or go to our uh, podcast and you can download that or listen to that as a way of kind of catching up if you want to. Uh, but today as we finish this, this entire series, uh, we just want to finish with one final topic. And the topic that we're going to be addressing today is you can kind of tell from the video, is this idea, um, my life changed when I experienced loss. Uh, my life changed when I experienced loss. That's where we're going to be taking the conversation um, today. Now, it probably goes without saying, just from hearing the topic matter itself, that this is a relatively sensitive conversation, right? 
Uh, this is one that's often filled with a lot of emotion. And my guess is that even when I say that, when I say my life changed when I experienced loss, it already probably, for some of you, if this is part of your story, it probably takes your heart and your mind right back to a time uh, where you experience loss, where you experience hardship on this level um, in your life. And so it's, it's not the easiest conversation to have. It's very sensitive. It's full of a lot of emotion. But I do believe that even though it is sort of a difficult conversation, that is a very important one. And uh, the reason it's important is because as we've been doing this series, we've been talking about how those my life changed when circumstances, we're not just simply referring to the joy-filled, uh, monumental, mountaintop experiences of life. Of course, those are included in the my life changed when scenarios and circumstances. But we said, man, a lot of times my life changed when scenarios are the painful, um, the hard, the difficult circumstances, the valleys that we face in life. And so I believe that for many of us, uh, maybe part of our story is my life changed when I experience loss. Now, when we talk about this idea today, as we get ready to kind of get into this conversation, I think it's important for us to also note that when we talk about experiencing loss, we're talking about much more than physical death. Uh, there, loss happens in several ways, and my guess is um, that for the, the, the variety of people that are represented in this room, we probably have a, a variety of different types of loss that are faced. So for some of you, you would say my life changed when I experienced loss, and maybe for you, you could think back to a loved one. You could think back to a parent or to a family member, a close friend, um, a child, or a miscarriage, someone that you lost physically, physical death, that type of loss. And, of course, that's included in this conversation. For some of you, when you, when you say my life changed and I experienced loss, maybe for you that was the loss of something different. It was a loss of a relationship. Uh, that could have been a loss of a marriage. And, and you're grieving um, the loss of a relationship that, you, that you've had in the past. Or maybe for you, um, you were engaged in a relationship that you thought was headed in one direction. It was a very serious relationship. But then it fell apart, and, you, and you're grieving the separation of that relationship. So for some of you, uh, when I say my life changed when I encountered loss, um, you, you've, you've encountered loss in that way. Uh, for some of you, you would say my life changed when I encountered loss, when I experienced loss. But for you, maybe it was the loss of physical health. Or it was the loss of, of quality of life. And um, there's some people who are in this room who would say that you were diagnosed with a disease or uh, you had an illness of some type or you, you had a psychological uh, disorder of some type that has stolen away um, life as you know it. And as a result of that, you have to redefine life in a new way. Normal is different. And you're grieving loss in that way. Loss comes in many forms, in many shapes and sizes. For some of you, maybe you would say, my life changed and I experienced loss. But for you, it's a loss of a dream. Maybe you had a vision of what you thought your life was going to be and what you hoped that it would look like. And uh, because of some unforeseen circumstance or outside force, uh, that has changed dramatically. And that dream is shattered and it will never be realized. And as a result of that, you're grieving. And, and all I'm saying is this idea of my life change and I experience loss comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. It comes in various degrees of magnitude. And I think that for many of us in this room, we would say that part of our story is, man, my life changed when I experienced loss. And I think for anyone in this room who's experienced severe loss, I think we would tell you, quite honestly, that your life does change when you experience loss. Out of necessity, it has to. It's not because you wanted to, it's not because you meant to, it's just that it had to. And loss has a way of doing that, of causing us to redefine things in a different way. And I think for some people in this room, maybe for some of you, if this is part of your story, you can honestly say today that because of that loss, that it's resulted in a lot of good things as well. Some of you might say, man, you know, my life changed when I experienced loss, and as a result of that loss, it has resulted in greater maturity. Some of you would say, man, it's resulted in a greater sympathy uh, for other people. 
that are going through something similar uh, to what I had to journey through. Some of you would say, man, it's resulted in a greater dependency on God and my faith has been strengthened and my faith has been bolstered as a result of that painful thing that I went through. For some of you, that's your story. My life changed when I experienced loss. But honestly, for some of us, uh, we would say that maybe our life changed when we experienced loss, but not in those ways. For some of you, you might say, you know what? When I experienced loss, my life changed, but it didn't result maybe in a, in a greater dependency on God. For some of you, maybe it, it resulted in greater confusion and it's caused you to question your faith in a way you never have before. And maybe for some of you, it's led to a greater resentment. And you're, you're just being honest, right? Your life changed, but it's not in the conventional ways that we tend to like to talk about um, at church. And I, I think that, that one thing is true that probably all of us know, whether you've experienced severe loss in one way or another, whether you haven't, I think all of us can identify with this, that, that loss in general, that this topic, it's messy. It's just messy. And there's no way around that. And I believe that any attempt to explain loss, to categorize loss, to systematize loss, uh, runs the risk of sounding, um, of sounding simplistic, of sounding uh, unrealistically optimistic, and so it's a hard conversation to have. But at the same time, one of the things that I personally, just speaking for myself, I love about the Bible, I love this about the Bible, is that the Bible never for a moment denies or dismisses or minimizes the messiness that comes with loss. I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but the Bible highlights for us many circumstances where people face real loss. And the Bible actually will oftentimes go out of its way to emphasize the messiness that's associated with loss. And yet at the same time, while the Bible never denies it, the Bible also gives us real hope, true hope that we can have in the midst of loss. And so today what I wanna do, my hope is, is that in this difficult conversation that maybe I can take you to a passage of scripture that I think is really helpful as we navigate this topic of experiencing loss. The passage we're about to look at, I believe does an awesome job of not shying away or denying the messiness that's associated with loss. We're gonna see the messiness all of it in this passage. But at the same time, this passage does a great job of clarifying for us the hope that Christ often brings in the midst of loss. And so if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you and invite you to take them with me this morning. Uh, We're gonna look at a a, a relatively famous passage in John chapter 11. John 11 is where we're gonna be going this morning. And so uh, let me just say that if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, if you just don't, didn't bring a copy, no problem. We have one for you. You can just grab one of those Bibles in those chairs and you can turn to page 749, those Bibles that we have there for you. Um, and you'll find John 11 there. Let me just also say that if you're a guest with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, um, you do now. That's yours. Okay, take that Bible, that, that one of ours, write your name in it, make it a gift from us to you. I want you to have a Bible. But John 11. Now, in John chapter 11, as I said, this is a fairly popular uh, passage. This is a passage where uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Uh, very famous passage. In fact, uh, some of you might remember, we here at the Medina East Campus found ourselves in this very passage last Easter. So it was nearly a year ago uh, that we found ourselves in this passage. Today, we're going to look at it in a different way, sort of from a different angle as we approach this topic. And of course, in this passage, we're going to see a family that's encountering severe loss, the loss of Lazarus, the loss of a dear friend and a family member. And I think that, as I said, we're going to see the messiness that's associated with loss. And even though this passage speaks of physical death, I think that some of the principles apply to loss um, as it relates to all the different scenarios that we had um, sort of already mentioned. So John 11, we're going to jump in here. Let me give you a little background as to what's happening in this scenario. So the Bible tells us that Jesus, as he did his ministry on this earth, um, he had a lot of really close friends. 
And uh, some of the close friends that Jesus had on this earth was a family that the Bible talks about, which was Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. So these guys would have been close friends with Jesus, close family friends. They would have known Jesus. Uh, Quite possibly, they probably would have grown up with Jesus. And so they had a deep relationship. They had a, a bond between them. The Bible tells us that Mary and Martha find out that Lazarus is sick. And so they send a message to Jesus. Jesus is far away. And they tell Jesus, you need to come quick. Lazarus is sick and he's dying. He's not getting any better. And the Bible tells us something peculiar. The Bible tells us that Jesus, rather than running to Lazarus' side, he deliberately waits until Lazarus dies. And then as, after Lazarus dies, the Bible tells us Jesus comes back to spend time with Mary and Martha and their time of loss and the family and those who are around. And it's in this circumstance that I want you to see specifically I want you to watch the reactions of those who are experiencing loss and how Jesus interacts with them. All right, so we're going to start in verse 20 uh, as we kind of pick this up, kind of, in this, in, kind of right in the middle of this, of this paragraph, verse 20. Jesus comes back. Remember, Mary and Martha are there. Lazarus has passed away. And so Jesus comes. Here's what the Bible says, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. All right, now, I just want to pause there. Let's just stop there for a second. Um, I know that might sound like a small detail, uh, but I actually found this very, very fascinating. The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us, look again. It says that Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, I find that fascinating. That might seem like a a slight detail, but I think there's some significance to that. Uh, Mary and Martha... When they hear that Jesus is coming back, they're in the midst of experiencing terrible loss, and they respond very differently. Uh, The Bible tells us Martha, when she hears Jesus is coming, she goes right out to meet him, right? She goes to confront him. Martha, instead of going to address Jesus, she avoids Jesus. She stays back. Two, Two very different responses from two very different personalities. One of the things that I think we see in the Bible... Um, And like I said, Mary and Martha are mentioned in other places in Scripture. I think we have some indication in the Bible, if you guys know anything about Mary and Martha, that they were very different people. Even though they were sisters, they had very, very different personalities. Some of you guys might remember there's a scene in the Bible uh, where in in Luke chapter 10 where Mary and Martha are hanging out with Jesus. You guys remember this? And uh, and the Bible says that Mary is, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging out, talking to him. And she's just having a dialogue with him. Remember what Martha's doing? Martha's off doing the dishes and getting the meal ready, and she's getting real mad at Mary. She's like, why don't you come and help me? And you kind of get this picture in your mind that Martha is sort of a doer, you know? And Mary is kind of a feeler. Martha's probably, from the indication we have in Scripture, Martha's sort of that type A personality. She's task-oriented. She wants to get stuff done. Mary is more of a feeler, right? She's more of the, the, the emoter, and she tends to things, deal with things more emotionally. And here's what I put in my notes. I don't know if this is helpful for you, but I found it helpful for me. I jotted this down in my notes. There's no typical response to loss. There's just no typical response. Um, there is no standardized response as you face loss. You see Mary and Martha deal with this in a very different way. We're actually going to watch this passage as they continue to deal with loss in a very different way. But there's just no typical response to loss. You know, I know that there's some attempts out there. If you guys have experienced loss before and you've tried to read some help on it, um, there's some attempts out there to systematize loss. If some people will say, man, here's the seven steps to grief or here's the five steps to overcome um, the loss that you're experiencing in your life. And while I think that some of that's helpful and there is some commonality that we might share, we all know this. It's just not that simple. Things don't, 
fit that neatly into categories um, as it relates to experiencing loss. My guess is that if I went around the room and I asked each one of you who's experienced loss, whether it's the loss of a marriage or loss of a relationship or, or loss of a dream or loss of health or loss of a loved one, if I asked you, hey, tell me about how you responded in the time of that loss. My guess is that I would get a variety of responses as diverse as this crowd, right? And, and some of you would tell me, you'd be like, man, I'll tell you, when I was going through a hard time, I could barely motivate myself to get out of bed. I couldn't leave the house. I just, I had the hardest time just getting up. And some of you are like, no, that wasn't me, man. I cleaned the house from top to bottom. And I did it like 20 times. And when I was done, I did it again. And, and look, it just, there's no typical response to this. For some of you, when you experienced loss, you're like, I just wanted to surround myself with people I loved. I just wanted to talk it out, right? I just, wanted to, I just wanted to have people around me who could support me. And some people are like, I just want to be alone. I just want to get in a car and drive west into the sunset, you know, and just somehow deal with my loss by myself. I just want space. I want room. Some people are like, man, you know what? When I, when I experience loss, when I pray, I am like, I am mad at God, you know? And I'm like, God, how could you do this? And some of you are like, I can't even utter a word to God. I, can't, I, can't, I avoid him. I can't even think to pray at a time of loss. Look, there's just, the truth is, there's just no typical response in loss. And like I said, this first verse is an indication of that. We're going to watch that um, as it kind of unfolds in this passage, the very different responses from Martha and Mary. Let's just look at Mary's response here. Check this out. Look again at verse 20. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And then look at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. So what's Martha's response in the midst of loss? Well, here's Martha's response. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Martha's response in the midst of loss is anger and blame. That's where she's at. Anger and blame. Um, She hears Jesus is coming. She goes right out to him. What does she say? Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Anger and blame. Now, I know some of you are thinking to yourself, where are you getting that from? I mean, I, I see that in the passage it says that, but the Bible never tells us that Martha's angry. So, so where are you getting that from? Well, I believe there's actually very sufficient evidence uh, that Martha was angry when she spoke to Jesus. In specific, I want you to notice in verse 20, there's a little phrase that's used there. It says this. It says that Martha went out to meet him. Martha went out to meet him. And if you just take a look at that little phrase, if you want to go to that next slide real quick there. In verse 20, she went out to meet him. Now, this is an interesting little phrase in the Greek. Went out to meet him, literally, uh, the word that's used there is a military term. And it means, literally, a hostile engagement. So when the Bible says that Martha went out to meet Jesus, it's not like, oh, Martha went out to meet Jesus. It's like, no, Martha went out to meet Jesus, right? And this was like, she's out for blood. This was like, um, this is a showdown This is a battle. This is a military term that's used for confrontation, right? So the conversation that Mary has with Jesus looks a lot less like a conversation. It looks more like, uh, like, like, you know, like a confrontation, right? And and so she comes right to Jesus. She said, man, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. She's full of anger. She's full of blame. She points a finger at Jesus. You could have stopped this if you wanted to, right? And and here's the truth. For some of you, uh, when you encounter loss, or even right now when you're encountering loss, if you are honest, your reaction is a lot like Martha's. You, your natural response is that you are full of anger and you are full of blame, and oftentimes it's directed right at Jesus, right? And some of you, you're like, man, God, you, you could have stopped this. If you were here, right? 
If, if, knowing that you're the all-powerful God of the universe, knowing those things, man, you could have saved my marriage. You could have saved my relationship if you wanted to. God, you could have healed him, healed her of that disease. You could have stopped that accident from happening. Some of you are really honest. A lot of your prayers, they look a lot less like supplications, and they look a lot more like confrontations. Right? And you're going to God, and you're ready to fight, and you got your fists out as a result of that. And I'm just saying, if that's you, that's a lot of what, what Martha's like here. kind of reminds me of, um, do you guys ever see Forrest Gump? Remember Lieutenant Dan? And that, remember that one scene, Lieutenant Dan is on, he's like on the, the, the top of the pole on, this, on the boat and there's like in a, during a hurricane and he's shaking his fist at the heavens. You guys remember this scene? And he's shouting out to God. He goes, you'll never sink this boat. And then Forrest Gump says that classic line. He goes, I was scared. He goes, but Lieutenant Dan was mad. You guys remember that? And I just, I think for some of us, man, that's us. We're just mad, 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 mad. And our prayers look a lot less like supplications. They look a lot, a lot more like confrontations. I kind of get that picture there. And, and what, I, what I love about the Bible, like I said, you guys, what I love about it, it never minimizes the, messy, the messiness of loss. It never denies that. In fact, the Bible goes out of its way to show us that. We see it here. But what I love is that it doesn't just show us the messiness, but it also shows us Jesus' response in the midst of that messiness. Look at how Jesus responds to this. This is awesome. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So remember, Martha, Martha's on a mission. She's out for blood. She, this is a showdown. Jesus, if you were here. And Jesus looks at her, doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't minimize her emotions. He doesn't say, oh, come on, now just get married, just settle down. Doesn't do that. He says, look, your brother's gonna rise again. And then he says, uh, Martha answered, I know that one day in, in the resurrection, he's going to rise again. Basically, what Martha says there is, yeah, I know what we believe. I know what my faith tells me. I know what the doctrine is, right? And then Jesus, in verse 25, reinserts himself, and he says, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. I, and then he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her a great question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I love this about Jesus' response, you guys. Jesus, after Martha is coming at him, I mean, she is mad. She is full of blame. Jesus, however, we see he doesn't rebuke that. He doesn't say, Martha, you, you just, you remember who you're talking to, young lady. I am your maker. Right? He doesn't do that. Nor, nor does he minimize it. But, but seriously, you have no idea what's about to happen, Martha. Do you have any idea what I'm going to do? doesn't minimize her emotions either. But you know what he does? He meets her right there in it. And he tells her, he speaks truth to her. And, and he says, listen, he says to her, listen, uh, what you believe about me, it's not just some abstract theology, it's a person. He says, no, 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 it's not like one day Lazarus is gonna rise from the dead in this abstract theological doctrinal thing. He's like, no, 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 I am the resurrection. He directs her back to the person of Jesus Christ. And you see, in this situation, what I love is Jesus gives to Martha the ministry of truth. He gives her the ministry of truth. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't minimize her emotions, but he speaks honestly to her. He says, remember who I am. And he speaks to her in that moment. He meets Martha right where she is at. That's awesome. So Martha, man, she's angry, full of blame, furious, right? 
Jesus meets her right where she's at. Now, the next thing I want you to notice, I want you to notice when Mary meets Jesus, how different her response is. So here's what happens. The Bible says that Mary stays away from Jesus. Eventually, Martha comes to Mary and says, you need to come see Jesus. And so Mary agrees to come see Jesus. And then glance down at verse, uh, verse um, 32. The Bible says that when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, in verse 32, finally comes out to see him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Very, very similar to the words of Martha. But I think, that, I think that we can assume pretty safely that she said these words with a very different tone. The reason is because notice the manner in which she comes to Jesus. When Martha comes to Jesus, right, she comes out storming, man. It's, it's military time. This is battleground when she comes out to meet Jesus. But look at Mary's response. The Bible says when she came out to where Jesus was, what did she do? She collapses, man, falls at his feet. She sees him and she can't even keep her footing. She just falls right to the ground. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But then notice what it says also in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Here's Mary's response. Mary's response is slightly different than Martha's. Mary's response is quite simply this. It's just sorrow. It's just sorrow. She is just full of inconsolable sorrow, deep sadness that cuts all the way down to the heart. And, and you know, quite honestly, for some of you guys, um, when you think about when you've experienced loss, your response maybe was nothing like Martha's. You're like, I wasn't angry. I wasn't full of blame. I was just so sad, inconsolable sorrow. It was like the joy of life got sapped out of me. It was like the color in life. Everything suddenly went gray, went black and white, and everything was just kind of taken out of it. And for you, maybe for you in the times that you've dealt with grief or you've dealt with loss on this level, um, your prayers look a lot less like Martha's, which were confrontation. Your prayers honestly look a lot more like desperation. It's desperate. It's God, please. If you would have been here, man, you could have stopped this. And, and you get that impression when you read this that Mary is a very, very different person than Martha. So she responds very differently in the midst of loss. She's just full of inconsolable sorrow. She falls at Jesus' feet. You guys see the difference here? Martha, when she's experiencing loss, she gets in Jesus' face. Right? But Mary, when she experiences loss, she falls at Jesus' feet. Very, very, very different response. And here's what I love about this passage. The Bible's going to show us that Jesus responds to Mary in a very different way than he responds to Martha because they're very, very different people. And look at how Jesus responds to Mary. Check this out. Look at verse 34. Jesus said, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And in verse 35, very, very famous passage, awesome passage. The Bible says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Mary's weeping. Jesus is weeping. And just a couple verses before this, we're told that Mary and those who were with her were inconsolable. They were weeping. And what's Jesus do? Rather than at this point giving Mary the ministry of truth, he gives her the ministry of tears. And he cries with her and he weeps with her. And the the one who the Bible says created all of us and one day will wipe away every tear from all of our eyes is himself weeping. He's crying with her. It's giving her a totally different response. And look, I just think that this is so huge. To Martha, Jesus gives the ministry of truth. To Mary, Jesus gives the ministry of tears. Here's something I think is so cool is I think that in a time of loss, honestly, we need them both. We need the ministry of truth and we need the ministry of tears. We need both of those ministries. I I jotted this down in my notes. I found it helpful to me 
If you find it helpful, you can jot it down too. But I put this down. I put truth without tears is hardened. Tears without truth is hollow. Um, this little statement that I put down in my notes because I found it helpful. And the, and the reality is when we're facing times of loss, we need both the ministry of tears and the ministry of truth. But truth without tears is hardened, right? And tears without truth is hollow. And here's what I mean. This is especially important, by the way, if you're a person who knows someone who's going through loss or if you yourself are going through loss or if you're part of a friendship or a family member or part of a network of someone who's going through loss. I think this is a really important statement to remember. Truth without tears is hardened. And what that means is if you're just going to give truth, but you're not going to give tears, not sympathy, not compassion, that's hardened, that comes across as hard-hearted and cold and dismissive, and most likely it's going to be rejected. It's not going to be received well, right? So if all you do when someone is going through loss is throw verses at them and say, man, well, you know, the Bible says all things work for the good of those who love them. You know, God's going to take your lemons. He's going to make lemonade. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know about you, but if someone said that to me, I'd be real, real tempted to use my fists, right? And I think that, I think that truth without tears is hardened, and it falls on deaf ears. And sometimes we need to be better at this. We need to offer the ministry of tears because it's something that's necessary. We need to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, feel with those who are going through the hard things that they're going through. To Mary, Jesus gives the ministry of tears. But at the same time, I also think it's equally important that we remember the second statement, that tears without truth is hollow. And especially for those of us who've followed Jesus, and I know not everyone in this room believes in Jesus. Some of you are still investigating that. But for those of us who have anchored our hope in Christ, man, I'll tell you, if we just give tears, but we don't give truth, that can be hollow. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean we should be, we obviously need to be compassionate and there's a time and there's a place. But if all I do is simply live in the questions with you and all I, all I ever do is just live in the emotions and this is, this is where we stay and I don't offer you the hope, the real hope that the Bible gives us in Christ in the midst of your loss, then it's hollow, right? There's no substance to it. And Jesus gives both. He gives a ministry of tears. He gives a ministry of truth. I think we need them both too. And he responds differently in different circumstances. One of the things that I liked that this video, when you guys saw Paul talking earlier, one of the things he said I thought was so great is he said that God met him at every emotional intersection along the way. Isn't that a great statement? And I'm just telling you, this passage, you see that. God meets at every emotional intersection along the way. Martha's mad, man. She is full of blame, and Jesus meets her. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't minimize her emotions, but he meets her where she is. And then he gets to Mary, and Mary is just deeply sorrowful, and Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't minimize her tears, but he joins with her, and he weeps with her, and he, he, he meets her at every emotional intersection along the way. And so you see Martha, you see Mary. There's actually one other response that I want to highlight here as well. So Martha's angry, Mary's sorrowful, sad. The third response is actually that of the crowds. I want you to notice what the crowds do here. Take, take a look with me, if you would, at, um, here at verse uh, 36. It says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So uh, while all this was happening, there was a whole group of people who were just there, a bunch of people, a crowd of people who were there. So the Jews said, see how Jesus loved him. Jesus loved this man. Look at how he weeps. But then look at verse 37. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And, and, and it's interesting. They said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Couldn't this, this is the same Jesus that heals blind people, right? Well, couldn't he have saved Lazarus then? And, and, and they're like, sure, he loved him, but he didn't save him. And here's the response of the crowds. The response of the crowds was confusion. It's just confusion. 
Right? They, they, they could not make sense of what they knew about Jesus and what they were experiencing in this moment. They could not reconcile those two thoughts. And so because of it, they were confused. It caused doubt. It perplexed them. I don't know if you find this helpful, but I, I kind of think this is a helpful way to think about it. In this passage, Martha's the doer, right? Mary's the feeler. The crowds are the thinkers. And the truth is, for some of us, when we face loss, when we encounter loss, we try to tackle it with our minds, right? We're the logical people. We try to make sense of things. Well, I don't understand if this is true, if God is really all-powerful, and if he can really stop this from happening, and then, and then yet he allows it to happen. I mean, these are in, irreconcilable ideas. I can't, it's a paradox to me. And because of it, it causes doubt, it causes confusion, it causes skepticism. And for some of us, that's exactly how we act in the midst of loss. Now, once again, here's one of the things I love about the Bible. The Bible does not minimize that. It doesn't deny that. In fact, it's the Bible that's showing us these different responses. It's going out of its way to highlight to us the messiness that's accompanied with loss. And the reality is, I think for some of us, um, when we experience loss or if you're experiencing loss, sometimes we feel like it's forbidden to feel this way. Like, oh, I, I, sh- I can't be mad at God. I can't be mad at him. Can't be frustrated. Some of us think, man, I, I just need to, I need to get over my sadness because, come on, man, I, I have faith. I believe in God, and I could just bolster myself up with my faith, you know? And some of us think, well, I, I can't dare admit that I'm doubting God right now. I can't dare admit that I'm confused and that there's, there's things about, there's questions that I don't, I can't justify in my mind. And we feel like we can't say those things. Here's all I'm saying. If the Bible is going out of its way to, to, to highlight these things to us, I think we ought to be okay to say, you know what? That's just, this is just part of it. This is part of loss and we should be okay with that. And we shouldn't be threatened with that. We shouldn't be afraid to vocalize that, to share with that, with each other in the midst of it. The Bible doesn't deny messiness. It shows messiness. But, but one of the things that we have to do is we can't stop there. Because the Bible doesn't stop there. Because the Bible doesn't simply show us the messiness that comes with loss, but the Bible also goes a step further. And I want to show you the hope now that the Bible gives us in the midst of loss. Doesn't deny the messiness of loss. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't minimize it. Jesus never rebukes it. But watch what happens next. And I want you to notice now, we've looked at the response of Martha. We've looked at the response of Mary. We looked at the response of the crowds. Now I want you to look at the response of Jesus. Because this is awesome. What Jesus does here, this is great. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, deeply moved. If you, if you got your Bibles and you're into writing in your Bible, if you would just underline that statement, deeply moved. I'll tell you why here in a second. Deeply moved, he came to the tomb and there was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now here's Jesus' emotion. I love this. Notice this passage tells us that he was deeply moved. Now, this is the second time this passage tells us Jesus was, back in verse 33, I believe it says Jesus was deeply moved and troubled in spirit. Now, that little phrase there does not even do close to justice to what it means in the original language. Now, in the Greek, that word literally means fiercely angry, all right? It's actually the same word that's used for an animal that's snorting because it's mad, So here's the picture I want you to get. Jesus, in the face of loss, looks like a bull who is snorting and who is ready to charge. That's the picture the Bible gives us. He is deeply moved and he is troubled. So we know he's weeping. He's sorrowful. But more than that, Jesus is furious. 
He is foaming at the mouth, angry. And here's the question I want you to consider with me this morning. Why is he mad? Who's Jesus mad at? Who's he mad at? Is Jesus mad at Mary and Martha and the crowds for their emotional responses, for their anger, for their sorrow, for their confusion? Is he mad at them? No, 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 no. We have no indication of that in the Bible. Jesus never rebukes them. He never minimizes it. He meets them right where they're at. He's not mad at them. Is he mad at his father? Is that who Jesus is mad at? Is he like, God, how could you let this happen? Is that who he's mad at? No. No, no, no. No indication. Jesus understood the will of the father better than anyone else did. He wasn't mad at his father. So what's he mad at? What's Jesus mad at? I'll tell you what he's mad at. Jesus is mad at death. Do you know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible tells us that death is an enemy. It is the final enemy in which Jesus has defeated. Jesus is infuriated with human suffering. And he sees the pain that Martha is going through and he sees the pain that Mary is going through. He sees the confusion of the crowds and he is hurt in his heart and he is angry. Like you guys know this, anger is a sign of love. It can be, right? If you threaten my kid, I'm gonna bring mad at you. Anger is gonna come out. If you threaten my wife, I'm gonna be angry. Anger is a sign of love. Jesus is furious, man. What's he furious with? He's furious with human suffering. He's furious with death. And the Bible says that he takes that emotion, that fury, that anger. And you know what he does? He says, get that stone out of here. Roll that stone away. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Martha's like, Jesus, don't stop. It's too late. He's been in there four days. He stinks. Don't go in there, right? And see, for what we realize is that Martha and the crowds that were around them, they, they had no capacity in their mind to comprehend what Jesus was about to do. They're like, it's over. He's dead. It's been four days now. It's too late. They had no capacity to understand what Jesus was about to do. But Jesus says, man, didn't I tell you? That if you believed in me, you'd see the glory of God. And then they rolled the stone away. And the Bible says that Jesus goes in front of this tomb. And he prays a prayer for everyone to hear. And he says, God, I'm praying this prayer. But not for my benefit, but for everyone else's benefit. So that they can know what I'm about to do. And then he goes into the tomb. You guys remember the story, right? He goes up to Lazarus. And in a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says, he does. Lazarus stands up, all of his grave clothes on. Think mummy, right? He walks out, and Jesus says, man, get his grave clothes off him. Absolute, unbelievable miracle. I'm just telling you guys, if anyone has the best my life changed when story ever, it's probably Lazarus. <laughs> Can you guys imagine his video? How cool would that be? And it's like, hey, I'm Lazarus, you know. I like, go camp, I like the outdoors a whole lot, and uh, my favorite show is The Walking Dead, you know. <laughs> and my life changed when uh, I was dead, and Jesus rose me from the grave, you know. <laughs> I don't know why Lazarus talks like that, but he does. And, uh, but, uh, but man, it's incredible. And, and Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I'm just telling you, nobody saw that coming. And the Bible says as a result of that, that many of the Jews that were there put their faith in him and they believed in Jesus. And what was just before a funeral service was now a party and a celebration about new life. Let me just ask you guys a question. Do you know what that means? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus Christ himself conquered death. He rose from that's what we're celebrating next week. Do you guys have any idea what that means? Do you know what that means? Look, that means that Jesus Christ is more than just a comfort in your loss. 
that he is a comfort in your loss, but he's not just a comfort in your loss. That means that Jesus is more than just like a support system for you when you're going through a hard time. That he's more than just like soothing chicken soup to your soul when you're going through a difficult season. This means if Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead and he himself raised from the dead, this means that Jesus is not just some comfort in your time of pain. This means that he is victorious over your loss. Loss does not have the final say over you because Jesus Christ has conquered it and he has defeated it. And he's went down all the way into death. And Jesus Christ himself is our victory. And here's what, here's what it means as well. It means that we have real hope. And we don't have some fake, synthetic, uh, I hope you feel better type of hope. No, this is real hope. Something that you can anchor your soul into and place a stake in the ground in hope. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This also means this. This means that Jesus is able to take your loss And he is able to do things within it to glorify himself that are outside of your imagination, that extend past the realm of your capacities of thinking, just like we see in this passage. In fact, you guys, one of the things that I find so amazing, and I'll I'll, I'll end with this thought, one of the things I find so amazing in this passage and very perplexing is something that was said before all of this happened. And if you just take a look with me, I want you to glance back for a moment, back at verse four. Watch what happens. This is before any of this happens. Bible says in verse 4, when Jesus heard this, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, look what it says. He said, this sickness is not going to end in death. He's like, it's not going to end in death. He said, no, it's for God's glory that God's son might be glorified through it. Jesus said, this is going to end in my glory. That's how it's going to end. And then look what he says in verse 5. Now, Jesus, man, this is fascinating. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved these guys. And then there's one little word in verse 6 that's very confusing to many of us. Jesus loved them, verse 6, so. He loved them, so. Not but. He loved them, so. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus loved Martha, he loved Lazarus, he loved Mary, so he let Lazarus die. Not but, so. So he let Lazarus die, and he waited for a couple of days before he came. And this introduces for many of us a new category of thinking that we don't have, that there is some loss, there is some illness, there is some hardship that God allows in our lives, not in spite of his love for us, but because of his love for us. That's that's not not because God likes to see us suffer. We see his emotion. He is furious with that. But it's because of what verse 4 says. He says, no, it's for God's glory that God's son might be glorified through it. Because the truth is that God can be glorified through your loss and he wants to give glory to himself in it in ways that you can't even imagine. And for some of you, that's your life change win story. God glorifying himself through your loss. I'm gonna ask the band to come up and as they do, I just wanna end with one final thing that Jesus said for you to contemplate. In verse 40, Jesus says something fantastic. I love this right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. Look what he says. It says, Jesus said, did I not tell you, did I not tell you, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? In the midst of terrible loss, Jesus looks at these people and he says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, here's my question to you this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That in your loss, that in the hardest things that you, that God wants to glorify himself in ways that you can't even imagine. Do you believe me? 
Do you believe that? For some of you this morning, maybe for the very first time, you're like, yeah, you know what, I do. I do, I believe, I do. Maybe for you, like the, for the first time, I realize that Jesus is my hope, that he is the only one, who, he, he himself is my victory. And that if I believe in him, that he will glorify. For some of you, for the very first time, you're like, yeah, I believe that. And if that's the case, if this is the, the first time that you've made a decision in your heart to, to place your faith in Jesus Christ, I just wanna encourage you, as the band sings, would you just talk to God about that? Between, just between, nothing special or magical, just between your heart and his heart, just tell him. Jesus, I believe in you. And, and, and even though the, the emotions are raw, and even though it's a messy thing, I believe that there is a hope in the midst of lost and it's, and, it's, and it's you, Christ. I believe it. Maybe for you, you want to put your faith in Christ. Maybe for some of you, if you were honest, you're like, you know what? I wish I could. I want to. I can't. Some of you right now, you're, you're still so mad. You're still so grieved, so sad. For some of you, you're still so perplexed by all of this. Listen, if, that, if that's you, if you're in a place where you're like, I want to believe this, but I, I really struggle to. Would you just allow me to tell you that that's okay? It's all right. And I would encourage you that as we sing and we pray that you would interact with God. Would you just tell him that? He already knows anyway. He's not surprised if you're frustrated. He's not surprised if you're sorrowful. He's not threatened by your confusion. None of those things are true. Would you just talk to him about it? Just say, man, God, I'm struggling to have faith in you. I want to believe, but I can't because of these. Talk to him. And then here's another thing. Would you talk to someone else? you talk to your life group? Sometimes we feel like we can't express those things. Look, this needs to be a safe place where we can deal with the, allow each other space to be messy in the middle of loss because it's messy. The Bible never denies that. And we can do that. For some of you, you have more questions. You're like, I just have more questions. And as you're investigating Jesus and you're not sure what you think, here's my challenge to you. I just want to challenge you to come back. Next week, we're starting a brand new series that's uh, on Easter. It's all about grace of God. And we're going to kind of investigate that together. And if you have more questions, I just encourage you to join the conversation and engage with us as we pursue this together. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to say thank you that you're more than a comfort, that you're more than a support system in loss. But Jesus, you are the victory. You are our victory. You are the conqueror over death. The truth is, Jesus, that you're furious with human suffering in the same way that we are furious with human suffering. And the only difference is you did something about it. And Lord, while, while we might not see complete victory and complete glory in the midst of our loss now or tomorrow or next month or maybe not even in this life, Lord, you have promised us that if we believe this, that we will see the glory of God. And so Father, I pray that for some of us, we would just stake our claim, man, and we would just put our faith in you and say, oh, we believe it, we believe it. So God, lead us to that place. For the person that's encountering loss right now, Jesus, I pray you would meet them in a very unique way. You know them, you know their heart. Father, you know, you know the ministry that they need at this moment, and I pray that you provide by your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for, for allowing the messiness of loss, for not rebuking that, for not minimizing that, but instead for entering right into it. Man, it's awesome. What God does that, but you've done it for us. So I pray as we go from this place, we'd be encouraged and help us to even in this time to speak with you honestly from our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name.